0: Amen. One day Jesus was teaching by the lake of Galilee. And the crowd that came to hear him was so massive that he had to get off the shore and sit in a boat while all the people that were crowding around him could be on the shore and stand and listen. And he taught the people all day using stories. When the sun was going down, it was getting dark... He said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So the disciples left the crowd and got in the boat with Jesus just as he was. And off they went along the water. And there were some other boats following along as well. All of a sudden, a huge wind came up. And a storm started to arise and the the waves were smashing against the boat and coming into the boat and the boat was filling up with water and about to capsize. And Jesus was in the back of the boat, fast asleep on a pillow. And his disciples came and woke him up. Teacher, teacher, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus got up And he said to the wind, be quiet. And he said to the waves, stop moving. And it was completely calm. And he turned and said to his disciples, why were you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And his disciples were
1: terrified.
0: And they said to each other, who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. We're going to have a run through this story now in three sections. What did the disciples think of Jesus before the crisis came? What did they think during the crisis? And what did they think after the crisis? Now, before the crisis came, before this storm came, they'd seen Jesus heal lots of different diseases. And many times uh, it records in Scripture that everyone was healed that came to Jesus. They'd seen Jesus cast out demons. And they'd seen Jesus forgive sin. So they knew he could do that much. They weren't expecting anything unusual on the the Lake of Galilee. And we, we can tell that because even other boats followed along. The, they were obedient to Jesus. Jesus said, Let's go, and they came. And Jesus said, Let's go to the other side. So they fully expected to get to the other side at that point. But they didn't really know who Jesus was yet. I'm sure they wanted to know more about him. I don't know how much they wanted to know. How, how much they were willing to suffer to, to know more about him, but they wanted to know more of Jesus. They were following him. They'd given up everything to follow Jesus. So then all of a sudden, this storm comes up, and it turns to mayhem. Now, the Sea of Galilee is the lowest freshwater lake in the world. It's 200 meters below sea level. The lowest lake in the world is the Dead Sea, and it's salt water. And it's surrounded by mountains, And when the cold air comes down from the mountains and hits the warm air off the water, sudden unexpected storms come up. Terrible storms that can easily drown people. And in that moment, if you can picture it, it was dark. Once the storm has started, they probably couldn't even have any star or moonlight at all. It's pitch black. They can't see anything. And the waves are starting to come in, and the boat is sinking. They think, they're thinking, "That's it. We're a goner." I mean, how terrifying. They can't see anything, and they're about to drown, so they think, they feel it's the end. They're completely overwhelmed by those circumstances. Even the experienced fishermen. And what's Jesus doing? He's fast asleep on a pillow in the back of a boat now this is really interesting a lot of the stories of jesus in the in the gospels point back to other stories in the old testament particularly a lot of the stories are where god told the nation of israel to do something and they failed and then jesus does the mark 2 version and succeeds does anyone know which story this points back to in the old testament can anyone tell me a story where there's a boat Someone sleeping on the bottom and a storm? Jonah. It's very interesting because Jonah was going to the Ninevites, non Jews, and Jesus is going on the other side of the Lake of Galilee, which is where the Decapolis is, the 10 cities. That was a Gentile region. They weren't Jews either. So they're both going to this kind of scary, unclean, unknown world, and they have to cross to get there. Jonah went in disobedience to get away from God's call in his life on a boat as far away as he could from God. And so God sent a, a storm, and Jonah's in the bottom sleeping, and the people on the boat, they come down and say, Jonah, what are you doing sleeping? The boat's sinking. Come and call on your God. Maybe he'll save us. And Jonah says, actually, this whole thing is my fault. Throw me overboard, and it'll get better. And at first they're like, no, no, no. So they throw some other things over, and in the end they're like, I'm oh, sorry, please forgive us. Your, this, whoever your God is, please forgive us. And they throw him over the boat, and it instantly becomes calm, and all the people on the boat start worshiping God, the God of Jonah. But the disciples didn't get on the boat out of disobedience. This wasn't punishment, they obeyed Jesus. And Jesus also was going to an unknown Gentile world. And the big question that pops into the disciples' minds is the same question that pops into nearly all our minds when we face something terrible that we didn't see coming what do they say Jesus do you care do you care that we're about to drown I remember a while ago I was at a short-term mission in a country town um, with the Bible college I went to and I met a woman at a petrol station and I asked her about her spiritual journey she said I used to be a Christian I said what happened she said my mother died of cancer Now I don't believe in God anymore. Because her question was, how could a loving God let something like that happen to me? And the disciples had the same question. Jesus, don't you care? And so Jesus gets up, and he just speaks a word. Wind, be quiet. Silence. Waves, stop moving. The sea becomes as calm as glass. And this is also really interesting because in this moment we get a picture of Jesus that you don't usually get in the New Testament. It's a picture of Jesus from the book of Revelation. Did you know that in heaven there's no sea? Because the sea, all throughout the Old Testament for the, for the nearest people, was a symbol of chaos, evil, uncontrolled calamity. And It was just like the worst possible thing, the sea monsters, the power of the sea. So, in a sense, Jesus is setting up the worst possible situation for them. He's setting up the ultimate enemy for them to show them who he really is. Jesus gets up and it's instantly calm. Now, this isn't the kind of thing where it takes about 20 minutes for for a storm to calm down. This is like instant. Like if I got a cup of water and I shook it around, and then I said, watch this trick, and I go, and it instantly stops moving. You're like, what? How'd you do that? It's a miracle. It's not a slowly petering out storm. So how did they feel then? Well, initially, I love this bit. It's almost like a comedy. You know, in, in in a good story, it goes like this. Set up the scenario put in some drama, put in some more drama, make a crisis, then make it worse, then make it even worse, and then solve the drama. So it's, I love this story because the disciples aren't, whew, that was a close one. They're like even more terrified of Jesus than they were of the storm. It's probably the only right reaction they had in the whole story. It's the right reaction. They saw an all-powerful Jesus Jesus is the Lamb of God, but he's also the Lion of Judah. They saw the terrifying Jesus, who eventually is going to let us be in a place with no evil, no tears, no death, represented by the fact that there's not even a sea at all in the new heaven and the new earth. They were terrified. And they say, who is this man? They don't know who Jesus is. Jesus wants them to know who he is. He wants us to know who he is. And sometimes we need to be terrified before we're comforted. This is certainly the case with the gospel. Some people are drawn in to follow Jesus because of the gentle, loving side of Jesus. Others come in because they realize, if I don't get on the side of Jesus team, I'm a goner. I have nothing to stand on. I can't come before God and say, Come on, God, I've been pretty good. I'm a pretty good guy. I only made a few mistakes. It's not going to work. God's perfection, His standard, is far too high for any of us to reach. And so sometimes the fear of the Lord brings us to a safer place. And this was the case for the disciples. They needed to see that Jesus was not just a loving, gentle teacher. He was also a terrifying figure. He was the God-man, the one and only God-man. So what can we learn from this story? What can we apply to our lives? I used to think, come on, these these disciples, it was pitch black. They're about to die. It's a normal reaction. Why was Jesus so harsh with them? Why did he say, why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? But then the more I thought about, wait a minute, this might have been an extraordinary circumstance, but Jesus was an extraordinary man. I remember watching the Superman movies as a child, and Lois Lane, oh wait, is that Batman? Is that right? Lois Lane is about to be dropped in hot oil or about to be thrown off a cliff or something by some evil person, and she's sitting there defiantly, Superman's going to come and save me. Why did she think that? How could she be, have such a reaction in such dire circumstances? She knows who Superman is, but many of us have forgotten who Jesus is. We think Jesus is an ATM in the sky and he's going to revolve around our worlds. But no, he's not an ATM in the sky, but he gives us everything we need. It's all about how you react to the situation in the journey. Jesus said you'll get to the other side. So they were going to get to the other side, but they'd forgotten that. When I was... Younger, my dad used to love speeding in fast cars, (laughs) and he happens to be here today. (laughs) But I was so confident in my dad's driving, I'd just fall asleep in the back. Still had a seatbelt on, but I was (laughs) lying back on the back of the seat. But I remember my grandma, my my dad's mum, when we were driving out the back somewhere of Evans Head on a fishing trip, and my grandma was in the back of the car. Boy, was that a different reaction. She kept saying, Douglas, Douglas, maybe you should drive slower. Douglas, Douglas, maybe you should be careful around this corner. The whole trip. And she kind of brought the fun factor down for herself and everyone else in the car, especially Dad. Now, my dad's not a perfect driver, but he did never crash when we were in the car. (laughs) And I've never hit a moving vehicle. But Jesus is the perfect driver. In fact, he invented the road. He invented the car. He knows everything. He's in control control of the whole situation. Have you forgotten who's in the boat? In the early church, a lot of the paintings depicted a boat on a big sea because the early church was seen as a small boat, and the world like a big sea. And they were really comforted, especially in times of persecution, that Jesus was in the boat with them. And it's really fascinating that in the story of Jonah, they're going to scary, brutal uh, non-Jews, the Ninevites, who used to hang their heads up on stakes outside their city to warn people who were coming in. And now Jesus is going across the lake, and the first person he's going to come in contact with is the demoniac guy who runs around the tombs cutting himself. He's a total psycho. He's got like thousands of demons in him and when jesus sent out the disciples also into a scary world and said, go into all the world and make all nations my disciples he says i'll be with you that's the promise we have jesus says in this world you'll have trouble but i give you my peace he'll be with us and we have the holy spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come we've got the car keys now and the car is on its way And there's a beautiful promise in the Bible that connects to this story. I'll read it now so I don't get it wrong. It's um, from Philippians. It says, Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace which succeeds everything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So after the storm is over, they have a fresh view of Jesus. They realize, my goodness, Jesus is the God-man. And sometimes God takes us through difficult things in our life to teach us who he is, to mold us, to prepare us maybe for something we're meant to do that we're not ready for yet. And we ask the question, God, do you care? The amazing thing is, it's precisely because God cares that he takes us through these things. And the disciples didn't know it then, but we know now, the question mark has turned into a cross. God, do you care? It's turned into a cross. Because the Bible says, we know that God loves us in this, that while we were yet rebels against God, we were sinners, Christ died for us. So we no longer need to have the question mark. And there are some really practical ways that we can put this, uh, what we learned from this story into action. What it say in the verse, don't worry, instead pray. We can Pray. Instead of making it our last resort, we can make it our first resort. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He's done. Be thankful. Be thankful right in the middle of a disaster. When I lived in South China uh, many years ago with some um, farmers, these two Christians I lived with were amazing. They always said the same phrase over again. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. No matter what they were going through. And when they prayed, and they're like, Lord, thank you that I'm really sick now. Lord, thank you that my friend just died. It was astonishing. They just gave thanks all the time. And it became their habit. And so they had so much joy. And they had so much faith. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. What a wonderful promise. No matter what we go through, God is going to take us to the other side. And while I was preparing this sermon, I felt especially that I was meant to say there are some people here who have been like my grandma. They've been complaining so much that they've been making their life and the lives around them a misery. They've been taking their eyes off Jesus and putting their eyes on the circumstance so much that they've stopped being thankful, that they've stopped praying. And they brought the spiritual climate of their family, their home, their workplace, down, 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 where they're meant to be the light and the salt. If that's you, I encourage you, say sorry to God and say sorry to the people in your life who you've been negatively influencing through your lack of faith. Because we're always an influence. We're never neutral. We're either pushing people closer to God or pulling them away. Our words How do we respond? Do we fret? Do we complain? Do we freak out? Or do we pray? Do we give thanks? And I believe one of the most amazing things you can do in the midst of a horrible situation is to praise. Because what you're saying is, Jesus, even though my situation is horrible, you haven't changed. I still trust you. I still trust you even though, just like the disciples in the story, it's dark and I can't see a thing. I'm terrified. But I pray in God's mercy that He gives you a vision of His power so you can be more in awe of Jesus than the bad thing you're going through. So that you can be more terrified by God's power than the power of the darkness around you. Remember the promise. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for what He has done. Then you'll experience God's peace which exceeds, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Stop worrying. Start trusting. A paraphrase in that story, you could say, Jesus said to them, why are you so scared? Do you still not trust me? It's an interesting thing, trust. Because when you really love a person and You want the best for them, and they don't trust you. It really hurts, doesn't it? Because you think, don't you know me by now? Don't you know how I feel about you by now? And I wonder sometimes if that's why God, that's why Jesus was upset in this story. He's like, why are you so scared? He knows the intentions he has for them. God knows the intentions he has for us. All things work together for the good of those who love God. And it's easy to believe it when everything's going well. But your faith isn't even tested or shown until you come into something difficult. And then your faith becomes like pure gold refined by fire, which the Bible says is priceless. And it's this very faith that saves us. So it's in God's mercy that He takes us through difficult things to, to, to refine our faith so that we can be saved. So fix your eyes on Jesus. Stop worrying, start trusting. Stop worrying. Start trusting. Stop worrying. Start trusting. Thank you.
1: Uh, We thank you, Lord, for the challenge that we've just had. Lord, we thank you for the story of Jesus going across the Sea of Galilee. Thank you that you've allowed us to have a picture into that particular moment in time. And Lord, for the lessons that we see, for the responses that... We saw and heard. And Lord, for the challenge to us to recognise you as the God-man, all-powerful, almighty, are terrifying in that sense. But yet, Lord, the one who takes the question mark and takes it and puts it on the cross where our life is saved and where our trust is put in you. Lord, you guarantee us that we will get to the other side. You guarantee that it's you that will take us into your presence, into your eternity forever. Lord, we pray that we will stop worrying, start being thankful, and that, Lord, we'll trust that you are who you say you are and that you'll do what you say you do because you've shown shown that through your life, death and resurrection, Lord and the salvation that you've given to us, Lord, through, through Jesus. Help us to trust that. Help us to go and live that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.